This Much We Know is a podcast offering an honest and informative perspective of the realities and motivations of setting up a social enterprise. We'll be joined by guest social entrepreneurs and charity leaders whose trading models work to end homelessness. We'll be sharing their stories, tips, and of course, their facepalm moments. Today we've got Deborah Smart from Social Investment Business. Deborah, do you want to say hi to the guests and a little bit about yourself? Sure. So good morning. I'm Deborah Smart. I am Director of Grants at Social Investment Business. So what that means is I oversee all the different grant programs that we we run and, you know, oversee all the money moving around, basically, going to all the different charities and social enterprises that we support. Um, I've been at SIB for about a decade, which is quite a long time. I know I don't look old enough is clearly what you're both about to say, obviously. So, you know, I'll, I'll stick that compliment in for you. And yeah, as for anything else about me in my free time, I talk into microphones a lot, actually, because uh, I help run a radio station and so in my part-time I guess I could say I'm a hospital radio DJ I could make a smashy and nicey joke but I probably won't do you have any jingles have you got a jingle that's going to come now (laughs) (laughs) I wish I wish I'd been that organized but yes I do there are some jingles that say you know that sing my name Uh, (laughs) we'll put them in the post edit let's have them in the post edit I'll see what what I can find and email you over something and and see what you like but uh, see what you can rustle up that would be great so we've got a professional Murphy I know I know (laughs) best behavior no no I'm keeping my amateur status so I can DJ at the Olympics that's definitely (laughs) definitely amateur not professional (laughs) excellent Love it. So we've got a few different questions for you today that we'll be asking sort of to and fro. But likewise, Simon and I do tend to go off peak sometimes. So if we get excited, forgive us. Always. <laughs> First question is going to be from me. From your experience working with charities and social enterprises, what have been your highlights? There's been lots of different highlights over the years. I think the thing for me and, and for us, uh, you know, and anyone that's working at a funder really, or, or you know, the type of organisation that, that that SIB Social Investment Business is, is we we do a lot of paperwork and when we're quite far removed actually from the day-to-day of what happens with the charities and social enterprises that we support. So it's always a really great thing when one, we get out of the office or out of spare bedrooms <laughs> as it is still now in, in 2022 and get to actually go and visit organisations and see the difference that the money is making or when somebody you know, says to us, look, we've been able to, you know, buy this or support these people. It it really brings home what it is that we do as as the funding organisation. So that's that's always a highlight. And so, so whenever we get to meet people, speak to people, and actually go and really see the the difference that what we do makes is always really great. And then at the back end of last year, I had a series of of little mini highlights where this is a guilty pleasure of mine is uh, to watch a cooking program of an evening love a cooking program, find it really relaxing. Don't judge me. And there were a series of different social enterprises that we'd recently supported, a few actually from the Enterprise Development Program, which was really great, featured on different BBC cooking programs. And, and so I sat there on my sofa, you know, casually watching a bit of Mary Berry, and then suddenly up pops, we funded that. And it's really great also as well to just see the work of the, you know, these great organisations doing great things in their communities being highlighted on a national level so that's 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 been really exciting recently oh that's awesome yeah I I also love a cooking show and even more if something comes up that we've seen that's I don't know on the news or we see something on social media that someone else has sent it is so exciting to see people yeah making making waves in unusual Mm. places 
yeah it happens it's i like it i have friends who think i have a really boring job and they're like mm. we saw this brilliant social enterprise on the tv last week you have a look at it and like yeah yeah i know the guy that runs it they're like oh we thought you did like admin or something yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so good i love it exactly. it's like when it bubbles up and people suddenly realize what yeah. you do is actually useful it's um, well, I happened to be watching one program with my mum and she finally understood what I do for a living, which was great because <laughs> she's never really got it. So, yeah, it is that kind of thing. So I think that's been a, and, and that's kind of a continuing highlight for me, to be honest with you. The fact that, you know, the work of social enterprises generally is just becoming more well known and becoming more mainstream. You know, when when I started in the sector back in 2005, Make giving away my age here. This is not good. Uh, but it was your first job out of school, right? <laughs> Thank you, Simon. You get all the brownie points this morning. Re- rescued it, Murphy. <laughs> nice. It's all right. I've, I've saved nice. it. It's fine. Nicely done. Uh, yeah, when I first started in the sector, like nobody understood what I was doing. What was this thing like social finance? What was that all about? And so it's really great now you know, all those years on to kind of go, well, actually, this is far more mainstream and people do know about it. And I think that's a real highlight because I think that's how, you know, we help social enterprises to make that systemic change, if you like, which is what I think we're all kind of in it for, really. Brilliant. We've asked the easy question, which is the highlights. Um, And I don't think lowlights is even a word, but I think the question is this, I think, out of all those organisations you've been involved with across the sort of 10 years, is there a project or an organisation, don't name them, but is there a sort of scenario that's been a complete disaster zone? And what did you learn from it? So is there an organisation that did the wrong thing, went down the wrong track, didn't survive? And, and yeah, what did you learn from that? Yeah, there's been a couple over the years. I mean, I've been doing this a while. So if there weren't, you know, if a few things that I've learned from and, and seen along the way, then something would be wrong. I think the... The things that always kind of stick with me is when we haven't been able to give support to people and it's and and that's not necessarily that we've not been able to give them funding and then maybe they've ended up, uh, you know, an organisation's, you know, not survived because as much as I'd love us to be able to fund everybody, there just isn't sadly the money to do that. It's more a case of where sometimes if we have given support, but perhaps it hasn't worked out, you know, we I've been involved in a lot of programs and we have a a SIB, which have um, paid for external support to go into organizations. And, and I think I'm a real advocate for that. I'm a real believer of, of how powerful that can be, but for that to really work, as much as the skills between the person providing the support need to be right for the organisation, there has to be a personality fit. And so sometimes for me, where there's been, if you like, a low light, it's been where that relationship hasn't really worked in the way that anybody would want it to. And so that support hasn't been as fruitful as it could be. And that's then led to things happening in in an organisation. And that's always, that's always the thing that if you, you kind of want to see if you can find a way to improve it and, and make that better because yeah I'm a real believer that you know getting support to to different charities and social enterprises is really really crucial but when you can't quite make it fit and then that leads to something happening that's when you kind of think to yourself right what could we have done differently and so that's why I think I I'm a, I'm a big fan of saying to people you know talk to people that you want to work with get to know them because I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons of 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 all of 
my career, if you like, so far is it doesn't matter uh, really what anybody's experience is like on paper. If you can't work with people and you and there isn't that kind of mutual understanding of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Welcome to my work. Welcome to my working week when I'm not recording podcasts. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, like when I'm doing consultancy work with organisations now. Um, yeah my initial thing when we start out on a piece of work is like have we got the elements to make this work successfully for everybody involved and um whereas when you start out you're like I'll take anything I'll take everything I'll do it whatever (laughs) now I'm starting to go oh yeah hang on a minute am I the right person for this organization to help them get where they want to go and if I'm not it's it's sort of being honest with them and saying actually you need to go somewhere else to get that support because I don't think you know yeah, and I think that's really challenging sometimes for organizations as well because you know a lot of organizations really struggle to to find support and so you know there can be that pressure to kind of well that person knows how to do it so we've got to work with them and and, you know or they worked with someone we know so that you know we've got to work with them if they can't like and and I think it's sometimes about just taking that pressure off and saying you know no you don't have to just go with the first person or you don't have to just because you know John down the road, you know, Joe Blog's organisation use them doesn't mean that they're right for you. And I think it is about giving organisations that freedom to, to say, oh, no, this doesn't feel right. And actually to say to us as funders, actually, particularly if we're paying for the support to say to us, I, I do want I do want support. But can I can I take a bit of time to to figure out who I need to work with? And I think that's really mm. important. It's a really interesting conversation, actually, because I think there's a lot of support that has. I don't know if you get pro bono support, you know, as a charity, it's pretty hard to say no to. But that piece of conversation style, you know, even how to receive feedback, having those kind of really obvious conversations early on that don't seem obvious at the time. Do you if there was kind of if you were suggesting to a charity or social enterprise who is going to be meeting with potential consultants what are the kind of three questions that you'd recommend them asking I would say ask a ask a consultant to a certain extent why do you want to work with me why do you want to work with us you know is it that you know let's face it yes we do impactful jobs and there's a you know that does get us out of bed in the morning but equally we are all still earning money you know is the consultant just in it for the money or actually is there a belief in what it, in what you are doing as an organisation? So I would, I would ask, you know, why do you want to work with with us? You know, because I think one of the things you need to try and understand is actually is is whether the values of the two organisations align. Whether you know, and and that's a really good way to start. Is you know, why is it you want to work with us? And it could be that actually they are only in it for the money, and that might not be right for you. Or actually they really believe in your cause, and instantly that's going to you know you know start give you a really good foundation I think for a relationship so that would be my first one is why do you why do you want to work with us number one I would ask who else somebody has worked with so you get a flavor as well you know are are you the first charity or social enterprise this organization has worked with I think that's really important I think there's a lot of great consultants out there both that are experienced in private sector third sector civil society whatever we want to describe it as and both but you know if somebody's only worked private sector that might be the skills you want to bring in and so that might be right for you to ask you know if somebody says I've I've worked with all these corporates and actually what you're trying to do is is get into the corporate world a little bit then that might be right but actually if what you're trying to do 
is do something where you need experience for someone who's got you know much more background working in more charities and social enterprises and they've never done that before that's going to give you a, a really good uh, insight into their experience so that would that would be my second question is is who else have you worked with and then actually I think one thing I would think about asking is actually well and and what do you think you can learn from us so not just what can they do for you but what can they learn from you because that's the thing everything we all do right you know every day is a school day yeah we're all learning stuff all the time and so I think that's a really important thing is is to understand you know is is that is whoever you're talking to thinking about not only what they can work with you on but actually what are they going to learn from you because actually everybody should be learning all the time and taking stuff away to take into their future work and I think that's something to consider as yeah, well yeah I think that last that last question is such a good one it catches me out all the time like I go and visit different organizations and their work and come away having learned something like I was in Leicester a few weeks ago with yeah. a young uh, young person's asylum seeker project and I just learned so much um about myself yeah. as well because I was asking these guys questions these young young men questions mm. and they thought they were in trouble because I was a white guy there asking them questions and they were like have we done anything oh. wrong and I was like no 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 I'm not an authority this isn't an authority thing but because they've been through mm. the whole home office system and all of that stuff I came away from that experience and thought wow what these young what these young men mm. have been through is just just unbelievable really um and I think you're right yeah I I I remember something it stuck with me for years because it happened probably about 10 years ago now actually I went to visit a project down in um down near Portsmouth and it was a, a fostering project and uh I, they'd lined up a a, a guy to a 16 year old kid to speak to me with his foster parent about the program and you know I don't come from a privileged background at all you know very working class first person in my family to go to university that is that you know that's me but my mum and dad are, are still together and I'm come from a very loving home which I've probably taken for granted to be completely honest with you and meeting this 16 year old boy and his foster parent and him telling me about his experience and what a difference it made for him you know to be with a parent who told him to do his homework and asked him what was going on at school I came away never more grateful for my you know background and it you know and and it's one of those things that I always knew that not everybody had the type of home life that I had and that I was very lucky to have it but sometimes it's only when you're presented with it right in front of you and you're actually speaking to someone that you kind of realize oh okay and and it's exactly as you say Simon you know you know you know that this is happening but you have to sometimes experience it and you have to keep that in your mind I think when you're doing things as you go forward so that you can try and make sure that those injustices that we're each seeing don't you know we can all do our little bit to try and work against them maybe mm, I think work, working in this space it's you know so often you're kind of quantifying impacts or looking at data to kind of see you know where what changes have been made and then you have these you know conversations and you realize that we're you know we're all sort of part of a system that's handing people tools to do the stuff they're doing you know you're not yeah they're doing that they're doing and the work 
It is. And and that's the thing, you know, we can talk about X number of people have been supported and, and that's great. But ultimately, you know, if we're giving funding to, you know, a project to help a fostering project and help a kid, you know, not end up in a life of crime, get good qualifications, you can't quantify that. And equally with, you know, with, with the guys that you're, you met, Simon, you know, if you give funding that helps them to, you know, get jobs or whatever it might be, I don't know. That's the sort of stuff that we're doing. And, and so that's the real challenge, I think, for what we do as a sector is we're trying to quantify something actually in terms of impact, which is pretty unquantifiable. Yeah, in the grant, yeah, there's, um, I've had an email this morning from an organisation saying, how do we how do we measure the impact of this? And I'm like, there's all these tools, yeah, but actually, yeah, there's that he- the, the head and heart bit for me. Like, you know, when I do a lot of evaluation work, yeah. for example, Yes, I can do all the head, I can get data as a number and all of that stuff in my head, but actually you can't beat going out to talk to a beneficiary directly and understand it from a, an empathetic point of view or mm. perspective of the impact it's made for that young person and writing that. That's why I write so many case studies and stories, actually, because the data only tells you so much, mm. but a story, a story really brings it home. I guess it depends how you're engineered or built, but that's my that's my sort of stance on it, I think. No, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is that actually for I'm I'm really conscious that for us, you know, if if I'm a funder, you know, these aren't necessarily, you know, they're not my stories. I'm not the one that's going out and uh, you know, having this direct impact. And so I'm I'm really, really conscious of that. And so making sure that we tell those stories in a really respectful way I think is really important the I mean part of the reason that we've sort of series three in case people listening haven't figured this out yet we've got funders coming to speak all through series three um and you've it's been really good there because you've really you've just in the last few questions identified exactly why we're doing this series in particular because we've got a lot of organizations that listen to the podcast and and they've been really good we've had some brilliant social entrepreneurs and, and CEOs on it's been brilliant but we wanted to go this side of the fence really to capture some of this stuff that you've talked about this morning actually it's really good I guess what would you what would you say sort of over the last decade has been the sort of biggest challenge for the sector oh wow I mean I don't really want to say the c word but you know I feel like COVID is is just kind of changed whatever we thought any challenge would be uh to be honest with you because and it's changed it in ways actually that I think none of us would have predicted two years ago. I mean, what is it today? It's the beginning of March, isn't it? So it is two years ago now. I mean, I didn't work from home two years ago um, and now I'm really in an office. I'm really lucky I was able to take over a bedroom uh, and create an office space and not everybody's been able to do that. But I think nobody predicted the pandemic and I think actually some of the toughest challenges for the sector are probably still to come particularly for funding, if I'm honest, because, you know, the, the funding sector was fantastic in, in 2020 when, when the pandemic hit. A lot of emergency funding put out, you know, and that alongside different government support meant that actually, um, you know, charities and social enterprises, a lot of them, and this is obviously not the case for all, but a lot were still able to, um, you know, find different income um, and, and, you know, replace lost fundraising income or trading income or whatever it might be but 
that that amount of money that went out in 2020 has meant that actually what happened then in 2021 and what's happening now in 2022, the funding landscape isn't back to normal. You know, there are some funders I know that are kind of about to shut some of their programs while they review what they do next. And so I think there, there is a big challenge for some organisations that rely on some of these grants a lot of the time to kind of know well, what is going to happen uh, with some of these funding streams. Uh, number one. And then equally, you know, we're now going into a cost of living time bomb. I don't know what else to call it. So where there's been a lot of support over the last couple of years and people have pivoted and changed and they've managed to do amazing things to get different funding in and, and change the services they're providing to their communities and the beneficiaries. Actually, I feel like now is going to be the biggest, like the, the coming year is probably going to be the biggest challenge so, yeah, sorry to just say COVID, but I feel like that has created a change to the sector that two, three years ago, none of us would have predicted. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think the the long term impact of COVID is going to be felt over the next decade in the way that you've described in these challenges. But I am optimistic. I am optimistic. And I do think actually social enterprise and trade is going to become part. You know how the previous decade sort of social enterprise and doing a bit of trading and selling a few bits and pieces and doing that has almost been like a an afterthought and I think and I kind of hope maybe for some organizations where it's right that they're going to have to go for trade and they're going to have to go for social enterprise and they are going to have to think more entrepreneurially entrepreneurially oh I can't speak this morning it's been a long week it's a Friday morning we should know that word we should probably but know entrep- that word you know that we? entrepreneur flair is going to be <laughs> it's been a sector of entrepreneurial flair because you know statistically some of the organizations we all work with shouldn't survive or wouldn't survive if it wasn't for some element of enterprising spirit or um you know plucky individuals that want to really go for it it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't stack up with, with sort of the enterprise development program where, you know, where I met both of you, um, the idea is to support organisations to diversify income, you know, through trading models. Of course, pandemic hit and the, the, the thing that got sort of the worst effect at the start was trading um, for a lot of the enterprises that we're working with. And then, of course, people, you know, went to the trust and grants, the emergency funding that was out there. And then now we're seeing that kind of swap back. Um, so I think there is some, yeah, there is going to be more people interested in trading, but that risk and, and governance perception is going to be be a challenge. I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been, a lot of, if you like, traditional organisations have been really scared of trading in, in the past. So, and I, and I get it because, yeah, and to a certain extent, when you know when 2020 first hit it was trading that went first wasn't it right because we just everything just had to shut and that was really scary for for a lot of organizations and so those organ and, and those that were if you like more grant funded and you know a lot of grant funders immediately stepped in to provide additional grant funding to their portfolios <clears throat> so I can I kind of understand why people might think well hang on a minute the people that were grant funded were probably better off at the start of that but I think the longer term you're absolutely right it's about having that mix and I think that's the thing and, and particularly why you know we've always been so uh, proud to be a part of the enterprise development program is it is about that mix it's about being able to know what is the right type of income for different types of activities basically and you know what is that mix and 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 actually 
it could be that you see an opportunity to trade, which is purely about income. Um, and it's it's going to, you know, give you a surplus, which is then going to be unrestricted cash, which you can do what you like with. You're not going to have some grant funder going, well, what have you spent this on? And can you provide me with evidence of this? And have you got a receipt? You know, you're not going to have to do any of that because it's going to be your money. Or actually, it might be that you realise that actually through trading, you're actually really able to provide a great service which supports the people you're trying to help in the first place. And I think that's that's the other thing as well, is that sometimes, uh, you know, it is about thinking about where trading and enterprise can do either of those things or both, you know, and it is about that mix. And so, yes, it is. It is scary. I get that. And and I also get it's very easy for me to say it's scary because I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not running an enterprise. So it's very easy for me to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diversify your income, have a mix. Yeah, then then that'll be great. And and somebody could be going, Well, yeah, but you're you're just sitting there giving out the grants for it. it you know, so I get that. But I think you can start small, you can try things, and and I think all of you know all of the organizations that we've supported through the enterprise development program of which there are quite a lot now i probably should know the number um but i want to say it's it's a good you know it's in the hundreds i i know that's that's definitely right it's definitely in the hundreds but they would all say that actually trying it and actually even if something hasn't quite gone right there's always something to learn from it and so i think it is about and and Again, it's great for, to have the enterprise development program because it provides that that support to to take those steps towards trading, which I think is really important. But yeah, it's about a mix. It's it's about you know because I think you want to be able to adapt, you know, and and be able to go right. Okay, so this unexpected things happened here. What do we need to do over there? And that is that's really really difficult. And it's a lot to juggle. But the thing with with trading is you are in control of it in a way that you aren't with fundraising and you aren't with grants. Uh, you know, if you're if you're related, you know, fundraising's great, but you know, you don't know how much you're going to raise until you've raised it. Grants, I'm obviously an advocate for grants given the job title, but equally, you know. Some grants can be quite prescriptive about what you can and can't do with the funding. And so there can be really good and bad things around different grants. And then even with donations is sometimes donations can be great, but equally, do they come with any strings attached? Whereas that's the, the, the unique thing about trading is it's entirely in your control, which for a lot of a lot of social enterprises and a lot of charities who are doing a small amount of trading, that will be the only bit of their income that is entirely in their control. And, and so I think that's that's a really, really great thing about mm, it. I think you're yeah, you're spot on with the idea of a balance, you know, that that all the different funding routes have their own purpose. And it's kind of finding mm. out which one fits, fits which element of your service delivery or your course, you know, whatever it yeah. is. But yeah, and also that you touched on um, you know, being able to try out small things at a time and kind of learning as you go. And that's been a huge part of, you know, the Enterprise Programme mm. and also this podcast, this idea that, you know, mm. failing is actually learning. You know, it's, it's it's a good thing. If you try something out and you found out it doesn't work, that's great. You're not going to make the same mistake again. Do, do, do you know what? I love some of our grants where we give, we've given out some small sort of feasibility grants over the years 
not just for the enterprise development program, but other programs as well, where we've um, given maybe five, 10,000 pounds, you know, of a small grant for somebody to do some feasibility work to find out whether or not something could work. And then they found out it won't. And I love that. It's some of the best money that we can spend, I think, personally. And, and I, when I say we, I mean we as funders. I'm, I'm talking big, wide we. Because, you know, if we can help people to find out what can and work, great. But if we also help people find out what doesn't work, it's a, it's a great failure. Um, and that's the thing is sometimes failure is seen so negatively. But actually, I think it's important to think about failing upwards and actually, if you if you find something doesn't work, that can be really, really positive because what you haven't done is put too much time or too much effort into it. You found that out. You've learned why it didn't work and you can then apply that to something else. And then actually the next thing will probably be more successful. So I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of actually talking about the impact of providing grants that have found people to help people to find out stuff won't work I think that's really really important oh I could talk to you about this for hours this is this is my favorite topic <laughs> yeah we could have an all day we could have an right? all day podcast I also think right here we on should this. rename the podcast falling upwards what a phrase <laughs> should have had you here for episode one <laughs> I just I just think you know it's it's great when things go right yeah it really is and and it feels better doesn't it for all of us, whether it's personally, professionally, you know, it feels better when things go right. Let's face it. That's the, that's human nature. But what if you if we all reflect about when we've had the greatest amount of learning, it's not from when everything went, you know, according to plan and, and t- trucks along nicely. Actually, it's when you had the curveball thrown at you and you had to go, oh, flipping it how am I going to deal with that's when we you know whether it's again personally professionally as individuals as organizations that is when we learn the most and so I think being able to say okay this hasn't gone right why what have we learned from it and doing that is really really important and ultimately that's what that's what all businesses do and I think that's the thing in the in the charitable and social enterprise sector because uh, you know, there is such a pressure on, you know, describing the impact and saying what is the outcome of, you know, the money that people have given or donated or spent or grants, whatever it may be. There's such a pressure to show this is the difference that this this money has made. There's this kind of pressure to say everything's great all the time. And it and it's not if you look at any business, you know, um, you know. I'm not a fan, you know, not trying to say. Amazon isn't hugely successful business, right? There's stuff they've done that didn't work, you know, and they've taken the learning from that and made it. And that's what's made that organization into the multi-billion thing it is now. I mean, let's not go into the ethics of Amazon. That's a whole different podcast. But do you know what I mean? But they they get stuff wrong, but they learn from it. They might not publicize it, they might mm. not go, oh yeah this was a bit rubbish but that's happening and so I think the thing is is that we have to normalize it for the charity and social enterprise sector as well and we have to be able and actually for us as funders it's important for us you know because people are really scared of telling funders sometimes you know we're still really grateful for the funding but actually this didn't go to plan 
I actually sometimes as much I'm not saying I want everything not to go to plan but I really appreciate it when we get those that feedback and we hear those stories because actually that's when we can go right okay and we can help more organizations actually sometimes with those stories than we can with the we got funding for this and this went really well and I think we we really have to normalize it as a funding sector to say it's okay to feedback to your funders when something hasn't gone to plan and I know that's real challenge for for some people I really get that and we tend to I think I might have spoken about this before but we tend to sort of bury failure pretty deep I think it's ingrained in in our sector actually that we yeah if something goes bad we just nobody ever mentions it we bury it and we move on um, whereas I think in the states grant makers there actually share in their annual reports projects that failed so that the rest of the sector goes and, and reads actually oh they did that and they failed because what tends to happen is everything is um what tends to happen is the failure we sort of keep as people working in the sector we keep in mind and when an organization comes along and says we want to do this you you instantly go to the the filing cabinet of failures that you've got and go oh they tried that and these guys did it and it didn't work and these guys did it and it didn't work you want to but it's not published anywhere um, and so a lot of money in the sector gets yeah not wasted because i don't think money is wasted in our sector but it it, it doesn't go as far as it could because we, because we don't yeah we don't publicize the failure as much as we should really yeah and i, I just think I don't know. I don't know if it's a British thing. I do I, think I it's know. quite British. Is it? Is it this whole you know stiff upper lip we're meant to have? I'm, yeah, I'm... I think it is a bit of a culture thing. We you know we act as if it's sort of you know mustn't tell that. Just tell yeah, the and, and I just think yeah, yeah, you know, but that's not that's not where you get the richest experience or the richest learning. And I and also I just think the more that we can say and and actually the more that we can say to each other, yeah, I, I, that didn't go well. Actually, the more it takes some of the pressure off us, whether it be as individuals or as organisations, because it's really, it's almost like the world that we have now with social media, if you like, whether it be an organisation or a person, you know, everybody presents the best version of themselves, uh, you know, online. Nobody shows, you know, the bad day, uh, do they? You know, if, if I put something up on Facebook, it's where I'm out with my friends, my hair's all looking nice, you know, makeup's on, lovely, lovely. What I haven't done is, you know, talk about the fact I spent a day off last week fixing some broken drawers in my house. Uh, and, you know, I cut my thumb while I was doing it and it was really annoying. It. I haven't put that up on Facebook. And it's similar, really, for, for organisations, this comparison, I think, because organisations have to put so much on social media and online and things now. So you're putting out the best version of yourselves all the time. And that's great in many respects. But actually, if we can normalise some of the, well, do you know what? Yeah, this is great, but it was really flipping hard to get it to be that great. And these are the challenges that we went through. It's going to be just, I think it's going to be beneficial in so, so many ways. And I think if we as funders can support that, I think that's really, really important because we're the guys with the money. Um, and so a lot of the time that means we're the ones with the power, right? And so if we can help change that narrative, I think it means that it hopefully will start to, to mean and, and kind of trickle down and, and show others that that's okay too. I think that's, yeah, I mean, that is exactly the essence of what we hoped from this, this series is to, to, yeah, share with charities, social enterprises, you know, entrepreneurs looking to start in this space that actually being authentic and, and learning out loud is, 
is a really positive thing, not only for you, but also for, for others around you to set that example. And actually, one of the things about failing is that quite often it's that next step, you know, and then you did. And that's when you, you know, you you meet the wrong guy, then you find the right guy, you start the wrong tragedy, <laughs> get the right judge. You know, it, it does have a pattern of, of sort of, yeah, you take what you've learned and then you make a better decision often. Yeah. And let's, I think that's the thing is that actually let's celebrate the process of getting to that, not just the celebrating the shiny end outcome. I did manage to fix the drawers, by the way, and my thumb is healed. So, you know, I learned, I learned what I'd done wrong in that situation. And then I made it right. Um, It was actually better when I went and got the drill, me with the drill, very scary, but there you go. (laughs) But that's the thing, you know, so but you have to, you know, you have to, I did, I used the wrong thing to start with. It didn't go right. And then I had to go, right, what am I doing wrong here? I'm using the wrong piece of equipment, right? Go and find the right piece of equipment, do it right. This has now been successful. And I was really pleased with myself for doing that. And, and that's something that applies to, so you know, why did that go wrong? Okay. So we weren't doing that right. Okay. So that was the thing, like, let's, let's share that and go, well, that's why it didn't go right. And, and let's really just normalize failure and and see failure sometimes as a success because you can build on it and you can learn on it. And, and I just think that's really, really important. And yeah, I think it's for us as funders as well, when somebody reports back to us and says, do you know what, this wasn't easy and it didn't go as well as we planned. We, we all turn around and go, great. And I'm not saying that means we're gonna, you know, just give money out for to not achieve stuff I'm not trying to say that but what I'm saying is we go great you you know because that is happening but is are we sharing it are we being really honest no I don't think we are let's say right okay so that didn't go well what what learned what was learned from it what what are your next steps and being able to change in that way I think I don't think there's a bit there about avoiding risks you know we're the charities that we're funding we're supporting the social enterprises they're working with with people there's people's lives that are there so if they're feeling pressure to not admit when things aren't going wrong you know that that doesn't just impact the the trading model but actually the lives of the beneficiaries that are working with that organization and let's face it it's a really risky thing to run a charity or social enterprise right let's 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 be really honest about that and again really easy for me to say it because i'm i'm not running a social enterprise but let let's be really open about the fact it is it's it's hard it's risky you're going to have to make decisions on a day-to-day basis that are not just going to affect your organization but that are going to affect you know lives of the people that you're working with or for or whatever it is that you're doing you're not always going to get that right and if we normalize that it means more support is put in place for people as they're taking those decisions and 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 taking those risks and actually it means that people feel that they can take them more because they're they it's it feels like it's more of a safe risk if that makes sense yeah absolutely it's brilliant it's been really oh it's been such a good conversation i really enjoyed it you've said all the things that we sort of set out on this project to achieve with the podcast really it's been great but it's so nice to hear it from the other side of the fence from the funder side saying we could do this better you know we should be working in a different way our approach to failure needs to be you know different and um oh yes it's been really yeah, it's been great. And that, that bit about being hard, it's hard, charities and social enterprises, I am of the conclusion that it's harder to do 
charity social enterprise than it is to do commercial business and i know we're fixated on bringing commercial people into the sector to help us um but actually what some of those people are finding when they come out of the commercial sector into the into the charity social enterprise space they're like this is flipping hard and i get no personal reward where's the bonuses at i haven't even got a company car what's going on here it's brilliant because actually that whatever we describe as commercial doesn't always translate in the right way or doesn't doesn't migrate across and it is just hard work you know it's not a quick win we're trying to help people to move on you know we've got service users or beneficiaries whatever we want to call them we're trying to help them as well as survivors and organization and sometimes the two can be really challenging and they they sort of rub against each other in in not a good way but yeah you're absolutely right it's just really hard and I feel real (laughs) it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um a bit of a a sandwich I'm going to call it I could have used a rude word there but you know. it, it is it is really hard but I'm gonna can I can I throw in at the end my favorite quote from a really cheesy movie yes please come on let's have it yes so one of my favorite 90s films uh stars Tom Hanks Gina Davis and Madonna and it's uh called a league of their own and it's about the all-american girls professional baseball league that was set up in world war ii I won't go off on a tangent but it's a great film if you haven't watched it do seek it out and there's a line in it where um there's a point in it where the Gina Davis's character, she quits the league and she says it just got too hard. So she quits playing as a baseball player. And Tom Hanks, who is the coach, says it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. It's the hard that makes it great. And I think, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, I keep that in my mind, like a line from a 90s, cheesy 90s movie in my head all the time. But I think if that's a really poignant thing is to say, actually, yes, it is hard and it is meant to be hard. But it, but that's why it is so great, because when you do get it right and when it does go well and you achieve these outcomes, that's why you get that sense of elation that you do, because it's been so hard. And so I think that's the thing is is that actually yeah it is hard but love that it is what brilliant it. I, that's a that perfect perfect i've got other questions i don't want to i don't want to ruin Mind it drop. yeah that's it i don't want to no actually i am two things two things sure uh, that was brilliant and i'm going to go and find that film and just watch that clip um two questions really what's next for sort of sib grant making as much as you're allowed to say or whatever you want to say on that um and then the other one if you're allowed to um who are you watching who have you got an eye on? Because I've got social enterprises I'm watching going that they better make that work because that is such a good idea or that is such a unique concept or they're in such a good space. They need to make that work. So, yeah, two questions. What's next for SIB in terms of grant making and social investment? And then, yeah, who, who's on your watch list? Sure. So we're I can't say a huge amount simply because what's next for us. We're at the moment we're, we're in the midst of setting our new strategy. Uh, at the minute so um we're we're about to uh finalize that and and come out and share far and wide details of that um we're going to be 20 this year as an organization which is is quite hard to believe and so we're we're thinking you know it's a really big milestone for us you know to be 20 years old as an organization particularly in the social investment sector so yeah we are right in the midst of setting our new strategy at the moment so I'm really sorry it sounds like I'm just you know dodging the question but that's the only reason why I can't tell you more because we're just sorting it all out at the minute and as soon as we can share we will but we're looking at what you know what we really want to do is 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 look at 
where we can really add value and, and do things that aren't happening elsewhere in in either the you know the social investment or funding sector so watch this space is what I would say on that one and in terms of of who I'm watching there's a number of different organizations but what I've really been quite excited to see in the last couple of years is kind of the growth in uh, kind of minority-led and women-led organizations uh, who are you know doing great things within their communities and 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 sometimes these are organizations where these are people who have been supporting their communities for years but now are turning it into kind of formal social enterprise if you like and so without naming any one specific organization that's that's the part of the sector that is really really great to see for me is to see uh, much more coming out from you know grassroots community-led that sort of stuff is is the stuff I really like you know, and I'm, I've always got a soft spot for a, a, a woman-led organisation, being the, the the feminist that I am. It's been just brilliant to have you on. It's been so fab to hear, hear your thoughts and insights on, on the sector and funding. And and yeah, it feels like it's really a time to, to yeah, start celebrating learning through mistakes, which is what we're hoping to do through this. So yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. And we will share... Um, Sib's sort of social media and things Twitter how can we find you so on Twitter we are at the social invest uh on Twitter so if you'd like to follow us there you can follow me I'm at Deborah underscore s and I think Deborah has a zero in it but I'm sure we can link to something or other but yeah at the social invest is social investment business and uh, yeah that's where we kind of put out details of anything that we're up to thank you for listening please subscribe for more episodes you can also follow us on Twitter at thismuch underscore we know or email us thismuchweknow at homelesslink.org.uk. 